we are in a regulated industry. We have a lot of policies, procedures. We operate in a black and white environment. Just they're not actively thinking about AI. And if they're not actively thinking about AI, they're not actively applying it. How our clients position themselves, frankly, to do more with less and then to retain their current talent. You really look at our whole lifestyle. I mean, Amazon, Waiter, they really have spoiled us to the point where everybody wants it as easy as it can be. And that has to play out in the banking industry as well. Making it easy, making it quick, making it instant is so important nowadays. Generative AI, it's a complete game changer in terms of opportunities as well as threats. It's gonna fundamentally change the way that we do business. The industry of financial services is constantly evolving and facing new challenges. To succeed in this dynamic environment, you need to learn from the best and brightest in the field. Welcome to Bank on Whipley, the podcast that brings you insights and best practices for those in financial services. In each episode, we'll explore industry issues, hot topics, and current trends that affect your organizations. We'll also hear from experts and thought leaders who share their expertise and experience on how to stay ahead of the curve. Let's get into today's conversation. Welcome everyone. Today's guest is Nikki Senyard, CEO and founder of Fintel Connect. Nikki, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. We are excited to have you discuss how to attract consumer deposit relationships. Certainly a major obstacle facing financial services today. We also have with us Michelle Joseph from Whipley, who leads our customer journey and experience consulting practice. Hello, Michelle. Hi, Robert. Hi, Nikki. Why don't we start with backgrounds? Nikki, would you provide our listeners some information about you and your role at Fintel? Oh, thank you. I'd love to. Um, I think the best way of describing what my background is, it's always been in um, in the ability for businesses that I've worked to worked with to get the right customers. So um, my I started my career in PR and marketing, which was about raising the profile of the businesses, particularly professional services businesses that I worked with. And about 20 years ago, I actually entered into the digital realm. And I forget, I found this little niche in that realm called affiliate marketing, and it has been the uh, the space that I've decided to conquer and own myself. And what that has meant is that I've been able to bring a very unique view of customer acquisition to financial services um, because predominantly my passion for trying to solve problems, and I think financial services are at that precipice and at that age where um, digital is now becoming a lot more important. Um, and each of the bankers that I've ever spoken to and credit unions are all looking for a way to, uh, to attract the right customer um, that they can have a long-term relationship with as well. And that usually means in, in a deposit type relationship. That's wonderful. We're so glad to have you here today, Nikki, and provide our listeners some some wonderful insights. So thank you. Michelle, would you provide our listeners some information about you and your role here at the firm? Absolutely. So 
I am Michelle Joseph. I'm a strategic advisor here at Whitfley, and really my passion is understanding the complexities of people. So I work directly with our financial services clients and help financial institutions increase and retain their clients by assisting them to create a more holistic customer experience through establishing their customer journey. So when it comes to my background, I really have a diverse background, started in hospitality, moved into digital marketing, then psychometrics, private equity, and then here at Whipley. And so this really gives me a unique perspective on how to understand and engage customers across different channels and industries. So I started my career working for one of the largest hospitality brands in the world, where I learned firsthand how to deliver a customized and memorable guest experience. I then pivoted into digital marketing and content strategies, where I helped various brands attract and retain clients through curated digital experiences. I also developed an interest in psychometrics there and the importance of measuring and quantifying the motivational needs and drives of people. And so I use this knowledge to help brands leverage data, things like net promoter scores, client satisfaction, employee engagement, to really meet the current and evolving needs of their customers and their employees and their stakeholders. Um, moving into private equity, I help private equity firms understand their portfolio companies, but more importantly, the people behind them. And I help them really assess their investments and identify opportunities for growth and improvement as it related to client attraction and retention and its direct impact on profitability. And now here at Whipley, I'm using that experience to help our financial services clients transform their customer journey and achieve their goals. Well, thank you, Michelle. Perhaps we jump right in because I know we want to get to the topic at hand. To begin, we understand that deposit relationships have become front and center. Liquidity is certainly top of mind for all institutions, and that includes attracting new relationships, whether this is through a mass approach, such as free checking programs or checking programs that are out there, or a class approach with a private banking-like program. However, with both of these approaches, it does require a more curated experience. Nikki, why don't we start with you, if that's okay. Where do you suggest a financial institution starts with crafting this journey? Um, I think it'll, it, I think there's always a very fine balance um, when you're looking at uh, client acquisition. Um, there's a, the balance comes down to what is the best product for the clients that you're wanting to attract, and then what are the best clients that are attracted to that product. So I think when um, it depends on where people are in their digital evolution, as I like to call it, um, some people are really starting off, i.e. they don't have a digital presence in terms of being able to interact with customers or online. They just may have a website. Um, and for those people, I always say that it's a very good idea to have a look at the products in marketplace that you can consider can sustain and want to sustain over a long term, which means developing the product, seeing what the marketplace is like, um, and then looking for some providers uh, that can help you with that journey um, along the way. Because with a digital product, you need a digital, you need to, a digital infrastructure. So it's deciding the product, deciding that infrastructure that you're going to have, and then deciding and then sort of testing out the messaging um, with the right type of customer that you want. And then, you know, like like Michelle was uh, talking about, it's always about the evolution. 
it's always about testing things out and bringing in experience that you've had before into something uh, along the way. But it's also looking at things like client lifetime value. Um, and that will give you a good idea as from a marketing perspective specifically about how much you're prepared to pay to acquire that new customer online. So I sort of break it down into the vision. What does the product look like? Um, the plumbing, which is sort of the structure behind it from a technical perspective, whether that be a call provider or a digital account opening product or um, how, whichever, or a CRM system, depending on which way you're going. And then sort of like the mechanics behind it, which are really about the value of that customer and how much you're prepared to pay to get that customer involved. So it's a multi-step process. And I've had over the last couple of years, I've been fortunate enough to speak to a whole lot of banks or really different and credit unions that are really different stages of this process. Some of them are polishing the message and improving the product because they're way down that journey. And others are still sort of like putting their toe in the water and knowing that they have to do something, but feel like it's a very unwieldy type of adventure because there's so many different moving parts. So I mean, people say, where should I start? And I, unfortunately, I sort of say, well, you need to start at the beginning. Um, but you shouldn't be apprehensive about it because there's lots of people out there that A, have done it before, and there's lots of support out there, especially for guys like you that can help them with this process. I absolutely love what you're talking about there because we really are aligned. And Nikki, that's why we're thrilled you're talking with us today, is really having a plan. So often, I think... Um, what we do in our customer journey is make it haphazard. We move from shiny object to shiny object instead of saying exactly what you're talking about. Let's look at the customer lifetime value in the different customer segments we have. And that determines what the journey is, what we need as far as the plumbing, and then also that acquisition cost, what are we willing to pay? And it's it's great to have someone uh, have that same mentality we talk with our clients all the time nikki so thank you seems pretty straightforward <laughs> it does <laughs> michelle one of the things you've been talking about with clients is really this need for personalization in the client experience and certainly i think all three of us can agree this affects the journey how should a financial institution start thinking about this personalization in the client experience well, Robert, it really boils down to a mind shift, um, both in how we look at customers and their needs, and then how we leverage data and technologies to, to support it. So when we think about personalization, personalization in banking, it's not just about delivering targeted offerings or marketing messages. It's about creating meaningful and relevant experiences for each individual customer across all channels and all touch points. It's really about understanding their needs, their preferences, their goals, their behaviors, and then taking that and using that insight to provide them with the best service, advice, and value as possible. And so to achieve this level of personalization, financial institutions need to adopt a customer-centric approach that's going to integrate data and analytics throughout the organization. So I like to invite the financial institutions that I work with to consider the need to leverage both 
first party and third party data sources, as well as AI and machine learning to generate deeper customer insights and deliver a more personalized interaction at scale. Because when we embrace personalization, financial institutions, they can build trust and loyalty with their customers and differentiate themselves from the competition, which every day it just continues to grow. Somebody new pops in the market. And so with personalization, it can also help them increase that customer satisfaction, retention and profitability. So as well as as we start to think about how can we drive more innovation and growth, personalization, it's it's not a nice to have, it's really a must have for the future of banking. Absolutely. And it's something I think that is a key concept. Nikki, why don't we kind of delve a little deeper off of what Michelle's saying? And I know your team really looks at marketing and strategies. You've been focusing a lot now with your clients on how to achieve cost-effective high-value deposit growth. Something that I, yeah, it's something I read about in, the, in your great ebook from your firm and your team. Lead us down a path or lead us into learning here. Okay, so let's assume that we have everything in place. So what I'm I'm making this grand leap into the assumption that you've picked the right product that is a value to your bank. You know the customer that you want. That's the type of customer that creates profit for your, or you know, like it's it creates value for your bank. And now you're ready to get out there and, and market it. You know what your messaging is. You know what you're prepared to pay. So I'm I'm assuming in my next scenario that all of those sorts of things are in place. So the way that I look at the acquisition journey, I look at it in two buckets. I took at it. I look at it as brand marketing, and then I look at it as acquisition marketing. So in brand marketing, um, this is where you're creating the buzz with your customers or within your networks about what your product is and why you're the best solution for the people that you have in mind. The acquisition marketing is where you actually pull those customers through the decision-making process online, as opposed to in person through a teller or um, a banking relationship. So you actually have to pull them through online for them to be able to then use your digital account opening product to, to take them through the onboarding journey. So the interesting thing is that when you look at the acquisition marketing, again, it breaks down into two buckets. I call it your owned media. This is where you're doing your own Facebook marketing, your own Instagram marketing, your own Google PPC, pay-per-click, um, and or any media buys that you're doing with local publications or um, in the area that you're in. But then what you've got the opportunity to do is leverage these third-party uh, websites out there, the Credit Karmas of the world, the Nerd Wallets of the world. There's a big group of people out there that target financial literacy. What you're wanting to do, especially if you've decided that you want to do a national product, these are the places that people are going to research. So the interesting thing about finance and financial literacy is even though it's been with us our whole lives, people don't spend a lot of time on it until they need to. And when they need to, it's sort of either big life events, getting married, having children, or even if there's some people that are very thoughtful and are looking at how they leverage and invest their money in their 20s or when they start working. So with all of this, these people are looking for Leadership, I suppose, is the best way of describing it. They're looking for them and they're researching online. Now, these third parties are the place that you want your national product to be, because this is the place that it's going to be exposed to as many 
people as possible for them to actually choose your bank, your credit union, and your product. And the way that these people work is that they actually, you can work with them in a number of ways, these third parties. One is that you can do a media buy with them or a sponsorship post. But the other way that you can do it is that you can actually work with them by paying for the customer that you want. Say, for example, if we take a CD product, we'll say that you would like customers that are depositing 5000 into a CD product and you're prepared to pay $100 for that customer. What you'll actually find when you start to go into this realm and start the negotiation, you'll find that there's a marketplace. So the marketplace actually may be $200 or $250 for that CD customer. So then you have the choice of whether you actually want to participate in that marketplace at that cost or whether because of the analysis that you've done before, as Michelle was talking about, your lifetime customer value, whether you actually want to just not choose that, that destination to be aligned with because the CPA, cost per acquisition, is higher than your metrics let you to be. So just understand that there are all of these avenues out there much wider than your own local content area or your owned media that you can raise the uh, awareness of your product. But just also understand that it's a, a competitive landscape. So there will be people out there that are prepared to pay more because that customer is either more for them or they have a campaign running. Or alternatively, you can find a sweet spot of the people that have a connection to your audience for a price that you're prepared to pay. So just understand like most things that once you get past the initial doorway into this realm, um, that there are intricacies that you need to work through. But very clearly, it's been done before and there is footsteps that you can follow to do it. So that's the best way I can describe it to you, that there are these choices that are apart from your own media that you might be working with your advertising agency on. And there are ways that you can get out to a much wider audience. You just need to decide whether it suits your unit economics or whether it's something that you will experiment with at a later time. Nikki, I think that's such an important concept for some of our listeners is this idea that there is a marketplace for customer acquisition. It's outside of, like you said, our owned media space or our owned marketing space. And once you kind of get your head around that, then you understand the value and expertise your team is bringing. And I think that's a great leap forward for someone who may not know that currently, Nikki. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> there are, there, it, it's been done before. You, you are not the first. And maybe the first time you're doing it, but it's been done before. And people like us are out there that have um, had deep roots in this area that are very excited about sharing our learning so that other people don't skin their knees and um, stub their toes. And I know <clears throat> there'll be information about that ebook, a uh, good source of information provided free to anyone that wants it. So we'll make sure that listeners understand where they can get that ebook, Nikki. Thank you. Yeah. Michelle, we were just at a strategic planning session together and you really helped the client zone in on this missing piece of the puzzle, something that when you hire an expert like Nikki and her team, you really need to execute on. And it's this talent and expertise in the financial institution to drive these initiatives. Can you talk a little bit about this, Michelle? 
Absolutely. So first and foremost, we have to respect and leverage our legacy talent, but we also have to be elevating the game through leveraging external experts who are immersed in the evolving needs of the customer and are so completely plugged into the evolution of consumer behavior. So experts like Nikki and her team, they're really going to be able to help financial institutions understand this a little bit better and not scare them. You know, change can be scary. This can be something new. When you work with an expert who's done this before, done this a million times, there's that ease. Because the financial industry, it's undergoing rapid transformation driven by changing customer expectations, digital disruption, regulatory pressures, new competitors. So really to succeed in this environment, financial institutions need to have the right talent and the right expertise on their team, not only to execute their current strategy, but also to continue to innovate and adapt to the future. And I mean, we all know there's a massive talent shortage right now and finding and retaining good people is difficult. Um, and so when we think about how can we operate better in this more competitive and complex market, I always recommend partnering with external experts, folks like Nikki, who can provide specialized knowledge, skills, and insight that complement and enhance the existing capabilities of the financial institution's internal team. So some of the whys behind an approach of having your internal team, but bringing in experts like folks like Nikki, for starters, when you have an external expert team up with your internal folks, you're truly enhancing the experience for your customers and your employees in the best way possible. These experts, they're here to help better understand that customer journey, their pain points, and more importantly, design that personalized and engaging experience that are going to meet the needs and the preferences of your customers as they continue to evolve. Also, by leveraging data and analytics to help generate actionable insights and optimize that decision-making across the organization, when you have folks like Nikki and her team or any external group come in to help streamline this, you're freeing up those internal resources. Um, also, by providing a roadmap to the internal team, as well as a plan to implement best practices and proven methodologies to streamline processes, all of this is just going to improve efficiency, reduce costs overall, and also improve engagement because you're taking this weight off of your internal folks who might not know the ins and outs of this world. Because the external experts, they're an extra set of eyes, ears, and hands to really help the institution adopt cutting edge technologies and solutions that are going to help enable innovation, differentiation, and scalability. So really it's um, not being fearful that we don't have the right people internally. And in fact, we can grow people internally, Michelle, and have our cake and eat it too by having a team such as Nikki's augment that, that execution. Is Did I hear you right? Absolutely, because this helps not only the internal talent understand a little bit more about the world that they're not privy to every day that folks like Nikki and her team are, but it also creates a culture of learning and collaboration. And as we just start to think about the future of work, we need to be thinking about where can I be finding experts outside of the folks that I have within my four walls? Sure. It's almost like that concept Nikki was just talking about of owned media versus the marketplace. Absolutely. Yeah. Nikki, we're going to turn back to you if that's okay. Of course. Yeah, the buzzword of the decade certainly is data. Uh, tell us about data, using it, leveraging it, measuring it. I know you and your folks are all about the leverage and ROI because I've had uh, the opportunity to work with you and your team. What are some metrics that financial institutions should be using? Uh, lead, lead the discussion here. I know this is your, your passion. 
Yeah, I think where it comes really, what it comes down to is um, the the old saying, begin with the end in mind. Always understand what the end point that you're wanting to do. And for most of the financial institutions, it's growing. If we take growing deposit bases, what we're looking for. What we're looking back from and stepping back from that is that we need clients to be signing up and going through the digital account opening process. And then through that, we need to know where they're coming from. And from that, we need to make sure that the right messages are clickable. So in each of these key pivot points along the journey for you going from target audience or general public through to a signed up customer, I think what I the best place that I come from is to just look at where it breaks. It, it's taking, a, I suppose, a very negative point of view on it. But I always think that if you start with the problem, you'll always not get confused or distracted by extraneous data points. So it's like how many people are starting the onboarding process but then fall off? Do we know where they fall off? Is it a messaging? Is it a flow issue? Um, and then the next point is that are we getting people to the form or we, are we getting people to that product page? And then looking at how many people are we getting to that product page from a data perspective and how many people are clicking through? Is that metric, a click-through metric, what it should be? And then are we getting enough clicks and impressions to show the profile of the product either through our owned media or through these external third parties. And the great thing is that when uh, an organization has an agency and maybe working alongside someone like us or even doing it internally, what happens is that you get to do comparison of channels. So what happens is in each channel, there is a rule of thumb of what is healthy in inverted commas, and each of those channel metrics are different. And I'm not going to bother going into them now because it's sort of, I'm sure a lot of people will glaze over because it's um, in the weeds sort of stuff. But what happens is that the good thing is that when you look at maybe an audience that comes through from your pay-per-click campaigns, you can compare that to your other social media channels or to this affiliate program channel. And you can see what is working best and then making sure that that theme is carried through to the other channels. So basically you're rising the tide of your results through making sure that you're watching specific data points across all channels. Um, data in itself can be, as you said, overwhelming and probably not very interesting because it's really about the results of the data and what the data speaks to, not the data for its own sake. So I think that's why I go from the position of what are the three to five critical data points that I want to watch in this acquisition journey that we're taking these customers through so that we can improve them and make the metrics healthier with each iteration um, as we go along. I love how you started with the metrics and kind of the data, you know, you're exactly right. It can be really overwhelming, Nikki, but really starting by saying, what is that lifetime value of this customer or this customer segment? And what is the acquisition cost? And then exactly what you're saying. All right, what are the pain points or metric points or data or leverage or ROI, however you want to frame it, 
to say, are we getting to this lifetime value? Did I hear you correct? Yep, that's exactly right. And I think where it really comes down to is that each organization, because they're at different um, junctures along this evolution of getting online and digital, some of them might be re really refining the click-through ratio or their to download of app to sign up. It's None of it is more or less. It's just really where you are and what you're prepared to optimize. I'm, I'm so glad we had you on today, Nikki, because I think as uh, the market looks to acquire, as the market maybe becomes more and more uncertain in the upcoming kind of orders, really having someone who can uh, help a group or a team focus on these things versus just haphazardly trying to find the next shiny object will be key. So, More than likely. We, and I think where it all comes down to is that none of us want to waste energy. Um, wasting energy and wasting time, sort of, which all, of course, relates back to money, is none of us want to do that. And none of us want our clients to do that. Really, what we're trying to do is increase efficiency and increase impact um, with a with as smooth a path as possible. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for being on today. Great insights. Any last nuggets of wisdom, Nikki or Michelle, you care to share? As you said, change can sometimes be difficult. And the thing that I would really encourage people to do is just ask questions. Because you ask a question doesn't mean you commit to anything, but it just widens your thoughtfulness on what could be possible and sometimes that's all it takes to be able to make sort of like seismic changes with very um, considered steps. So that would be just just ask questions. There's lots of people out there you can ask questions of, and this is an excellent avenue um, to just get a wider knowledge base. So that's what I would encourage. And I know you're always open to anyone that has questions reaching out to you or your team, Nikki, and of having course. that conversation. Absolutely. Encourage it completely because I really love the idea of rising the tide of competency and impact um, for, for banking generally. So, yes, very, very much enthusiastic about that. Love it, love it, love it. Michelle, final nugget. Yeah, I'm going to keep it on change. You know, change can be intimidating, but when you bring in an expert like Nikki and her team, change becomes more manageable. It certainly does. Thank you both again. And to our listeners, thank you for allowing us to share some ideas with you. As always, reach out with any questions or comments. We certainly look forward to hearing from you and having you listen to our next podcast. Today, we explored a couple of key issues or key thoughts for any financial institution and could be even broader to any financial services provider. Nikki and Michelle talked about uh, really understanding that client lifetime value your acquisition costs, what are you willing to pay to acquire the right customer or the right client? Nikki talked a lot about and helped us understand the difference between brand marketing and acquisition marketing, really moving beyond your owned media. Michelle talked about people and talent, how we need to really understand that we need that talent, whether it's internal or whether we need to partner with someone like Nikki's group to really execute on a plan that's going to have the return on investment. And certainly Nikki drove home 
the idea about metrics and really saying, what are the right metrics for us to measure? You've been listening to Bank on Whitley. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and tune into the next episode as we feature insights from other leaders in the financial services industry in even more ways you can stay ahead of the curve.